Welcome to Talk About. On Talk About, our goal is to sit down with open-minded people for open and honest discussion. No judgment, no hidden agenda, just getting the conversation started. This week we sit down with the voice and face of the Toronto food blog, Ashley Allenson. Listen in as we discuss such things as cheap and healthy eats in and around the GTA, life-work balance, and of course, everything Toronto food blog. Sit back and enjoy the show. Well, let's just do a, a virtual cheers, my friend. Cheers, Chris. It's good to see you, buddy. It's been Great a while. to see you too, my friend. It has been a long time. My goodness. Time certainly does fly. And uh, before we came on, that's uh, part of what we were talking about is time and, you know, how it's kind of taken on a whole new meaning in terms of the pandemic and family values and also extracurricular activities. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that, that I like about what we were chatting about there, but one of the things that you were talking about in terms of, you know, quality time and kind of respecting that time is the pandemic has given you a new perspective in terms of dealing with family work and extracurricular activities. And we're actually going to focus a little bit more on the extracurriculars today. Um, because I've been following you for a while, you and I go back a ways, um, you know, I, we, we worked together. So then I quickly came to know you as a horror fanatic. And then I came to know you as a hell of a third baseman with a dead pull left hand hit left-handed hitter and somebody who was really passionate about softball. And then I started following you online as our past kind of professional past went different ways. And I, I noticed that you were posting online, this Toronto food blog. And I was like, what is this all about? Maybe it's just, maybe he's just a foodie. Maybe I didn't even realize that. But as I started to look further into this, this is, this is a pretty big deal. Um, I, I'm also starting to learn that this isn't just you that's doing this. So could you give me a little bit of background on where the Toronto food blog came from and, and kind of how it came to fruition and, and who's all involved with this right now? Yeah, uh, sure. So it's a great question. And, and again, thanks for having me. We do go back a ways. And the Toronto Food Blog story kind of begins when you and I were still working together uh, in, in TV advertising there, right? And, uh, and so when we were selling advertising, uh, we would go out for lunch a lot, right? And a lot of the guys we worked with, you know, we were young in our career. And a lot of the guys would like take the go train in because they were still living in Scarborough or they're still living with their folks and Whitby or in Oakville or coming from all around, right? And they would take the GO train in and we would go out for lunch. And, um, you know, me being one of the only downtown guys uh, in our sales group, we would always go and have like cheap eats because we were on a budget because we were young in our careers. But all these guys were like, hey, how do you know all these places to eat, man? Like we keep nailing it with these cheap places to go. And I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm from downtown. I went to school not far from the office. So I kind of knew the young and bluer area. And then so that was the first part of the story that my buddies were like, where are we going today? And so we would go out and try stuff. Everybody was digging it. We tried different places and you know, try and get lunch for under five bucks at the time and, uh, and, you know, have as much food as we can. You know how it is when you're young and hungry and uh, don't have that much money. And then I had a, a buddy, my buddy Laidlaw, he was buying a condo at Young and Bloor. And he asked me, he's like, what's good to eat around there? And I kind of made this like rough list of places uh, that we had been eating with my buddies at work, right? And kind of put that together. Amber was like, you know, you got to write this down. Like this list that you put together is really good. And it was well received from my buddy Laidlaw. He's like, this is great. And at the time I had just taken like pictures online of like the outside of the restaurants. I didn't actually take the pictures myself. I like Googled the places online and found like a pic of like the sign of the, of the, of the 20 places I listed. Amber's like, you have to write this down. So 
I remember waking up on like New Year's Day 2010, like with a big hangover. And um, basically what I did is I cut and pasted that list that I made and I put it on Facebook uh, as the Toronto Food Blog's first post. And to this day, like 11 plus years later, that's still like the most likes I've ever got on any post I ever got. And I feel like it was because it was the timing of like uh, New Year's Day morning. And so maybe a lot of people also have a hangover and they're online and they're logging onto Facebook and they're seeing this. And I didn't really post very much stuff. It was posted under like my personal Facebook account and people really love this. And Amber's like, Amber was like, she was right. She usually is right when I listen to her uh, do what she suggests. Things tend to go really well. And so um, you know, I started kind of doing it more regularly and it kind of started with that post. And then it wasn't that long until I moved from like ad sales into the ad tech space and, uh, and, and joined a new company and they gave me an iPhone as part of the job. And that was one of the biggest game changers of all, because now all of a sudden I had this awesome, uh, you know, phone and camera in my pocket and part of the job was to go out and eat all the time with, uh, you know, with uh, colleagues and with clients. And so I just started taking pictures of the food that I was eating. And with the momentum of this, uh, this first post, I started doing it kind of on a more regular basis. And uh, Amber and I were living at the time on St. Clair West. And so there was a lot of like different boat. I really love living on St. Clair West because you'd go to one place to get your meat and one place to get your cheese. And then you go across the street to get your bread. And it was kind of this neighborhood of going to a bunch of different places and we could avoid going to like a big box grocery store almost completely and to this day I still really love that idea of like shopping for the day and like going out to get and the stuff that we're going to eat and bring it home you know I feel like Walmart and Costco and Loblaws are totally fine and especially with kids and we have to go get you know diapers and essentials and there's that sort of thing and so I still like that it's still like an event and my kids you know love sitting in the cart and grabbing stuff but I, I do feel like I prefer to go to like, a, you know, some little place to get my coffee and then go to this butcher shop to get this. And so I was taking pictures of all of these places that I would go. And, um, you know, I just take pictures of everything. So I'd have this like bank in my phone with like all of these photos. And then I could tie it together later if I need an idea. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I went to this butcher shop and took this cool picture of like all the sausages that they had. And it looked good in like the one by one frame on Instagram. So it's like, hey, let's post that. And then when I started doing, I would not only take a picture of the food, but I'd try and take a snapshot of like the, like the outside of the store, like an establishing shot kind of thing. And because on that very first post that I did, that's what I was kind of borrowing from the internet was like the establishing shot of like, oh yeah, this is the, the sign of the store and this is where you enter. So I started taking those myself. So I'd have a food pick and I'd have an exterior shot. And um, yeah, I started posting with like some regular frequency and, um, you know, as things do, it happened with the podcast too, right when we got started, we were like posting content all the time. And then it realized that, you know, posting like a full blog restaurant review, um, that's now morphed into a bit of like a, it's the first of every month I do like a full restaurant review. And then um, the podcast will do every couple of weeks. And then social media was a game changer. Like when I first started in 2010, um, it was just Facebook only really. And then I bought like the torontofoodblog.com and did like a WordPress site. And I had some friends help me with like navigating uh, WordPress. And now uh, I feel quite proficient in it. But then it wasn't until a couple of years later, maybe 2012 or so that um, I managed to get like the Toronto Food Blog Instagram handle and Twitter handle. Some For some reason, those were still available. So I snatched those up. And then that social media outlet of those two uh, allow me 
to post every single day. So we do a food review every single day and try and switch it up and, um, you know, you know, move things around by location and by cuisine and that sort of thing. So that's the model. It's like social every day, podcast every couple of weeks, full blog review on the site every month. And then all of that stuff gets kind of, uh, collected auto collected on Facebook. It's funny. Um, I never log into Facebook anymore. In fact, I deleted the app from my phone to give me some time back. I found it was like going down a rabbit hole there, but all these apps will like automatically populate it there without you having to really do anything. So it's a way of curating things. So every once in a while I'll log in and see, wow, there's quite a bit of activity here. Um, and it sets it up all nicely. I guess Facebook owns some of these apps. So it's easy for them to kind of filter that content there. So yeah, it started, you know, 10 plus years ago from like a, a love of collective love of eating food. I know you and I would go out for lunch when we were, um, when we were selling TV airtime there and it was a good thing to do. And, um, you know, we'd go uh, out and eat after softball or, uh, you know, grab some, some drinks or some coffee. And uh, yeah, it was just that kind of collective eating and, you know, everybody enjoying that. And then my wife's push to put it down on paper. It was interesting. Once I externalized it and got it on paper, the response was really good. People like, this is, this is pretty cool. I'm like, maybe we have something here. So it's just, uh, you know, I have to eat anyway, so I might as well snap a picture of it before I do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And I mean, I can attest, uh, Amber is, is correct. I mean, most of the, my interactions with her, she was hundred percent right. So I, I can see why that would be a good, uh, a good engine for you. And, and it's so interesting because, you know, we, yeah, we would go out and grab some food and stuff like that, but you were very low key about it at the time. So I had no idea that this was even taking place at the time that we were working together. Just, just building the brand. I mean, ultimately I, I don't like to, uh, to, to mention too much. And as part of our philosophy, like I use the pronoun we a lot when we post, but it's really just me uh, driving this still. Like we haven't scaled to uh, like hire any staff or anything. So it's, it's mainly just me running a couple of apps. And then I've got friends and family who will often take pictures if I'm out eating with them and I'll give them like photo credit that they've taken the photo and I'll say, I'm having lunch with my amigo, Chris Matheson, and this is what we ate. And maybe they took the photo, but ultimately it's just a one man show right now. And so it's interesting. I've been kind of kicking the tires on if this can scale further or how we can monetize this. But right now it's still just like a labor of love. And um, yeah, it's just a kind of creative thing to do. And it's just like a nice extension uh, over and above what I'm doing on my day job. So it's a fun thing to do. You hit on a word there, labor. Um, and and as you're walking through this all, I think to myself, how the hell does he have the time to do all of this? I mean, you work a full-time job, you're a husband, you're a father of two, and you've got this food blog that you are putting energy and time into. Um, but you also say, you know, you drop Facebook from your phone because that's a time eater. How, how do you find the time to be able to do something like this with juggling all the responsibilities of the things that I know that you're passionate about, which is being a family, being a you know, professional and being, being a husband? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, the bottom line is that, um, that I have to eat and I eat three meals a day. So I can almost guarantee that that's like three pictures a day and I can just keep this bank on my phone. So I've got pictures from like way back, right? And then sometimes I'll go into, um, you know, a little, a little trick of the trade is I'll go into like a bakery or a coffee shop and I'll take a picture of like what, I, what I'm eating uh, I'm getting a muffin or something, or I'll hold it up to the sign. And then I'll also take a picture of maybe something that's on display, right? And just keep that in the bank for later, right? And so then I've got two pictures of that place. So now it's kind of 
exponentially grown a little bit, even though I only ate that one kind of thing. And then you can imagine if you're going to do like a full restaurant review, right, which we do on the first of every month, you're probably going to want like a repeat visit to that place. Because if you just take one picture of what you ate, and that's not really a very good review, right? So we'll go back a couple of times to places that we really like. Um, but yeah, and I'll get, you know, my wife and kids involved, like they're super supportive of it. And we have like, if I ever get Molly, like making pasta or we're cooking stuff together, I'll take a picture of that. And those tend to be some of the best received uh, posts that we do. A lot of the, the people who follow me are like friends and family, right? So they eat that stuff up. They're like, oh, she's grown and oh, she's making pasta and all oh, that's so cool. And, uh, you know, so those are really well received. So she likes being part of it, too. So she knows if I pull out my phone at the store and we'll take pictures of lobsters or stuff, she thinks it's super cool. And she's kind of getting a she's got a camera, too. And she's got like a little Polaroid camera. So she'll do that, too. You know, we'll do that. Also, you know, to be quite honest, when I when I started working at this job here, COVID has been a bit of a, a problem with this. But we were going out for lunch with clients like two, three, four times a week. Right. And um, so there's that I was taking pictures of, of, of where we were eating because we were meeting clients all over. So it was that piece. And then I don't know about you, but when I was a single guy, the idea of me like going to the store and buying chicken and then coming home and cooking it and making a mess and then like portioning it out or just I wouldn't do that. It was just cheaper for me to go out and get something at the store like cooking for one for me was a crapshoot. So I would just go out and for 10 bucks I, or maybe less, I could eat all this stuff. So you know, um, you know, cooking at home, you know, it wasn't even economical for a while. So um, I was taking loads of pictures of doing that too. And I, I've, I've got a pretty good, I had to pay for like the extra storage on Apple Cloud to save kind of the videos and the, the pictures here. But it's just compiling like an archive of things. And, um, you know, you know, it appears as if like, this is what I'm eating today right now. But truth be told, like there's some, some craftsmanship in the way that you tell the story. It's like, oh, this is what we're eating today. But Ultimately, maybe that picture was taken in the past. So the more content that we can shoot, um, you know, the bigger um, library we can create. And then we've got lots of stuff to choose from when it comes time to kind of publish stuff daily. Um, I think it would be really tough if I was just posting what I was eating that day. That would that would be more work. Right. Uh, so, you know, taking the phone out, taking pictures. That's why I say this phone kind of changed my life. Um, I mean, it means that I'm always on at work. But that's why they pay me the big bucks. But it also changed the, uh, you know, how I look at things in terms of taking photos. And I know you can appreciate that. You've always had a, a great eye for taking photos. Uh, you're a big, big photographer, uh, you know, back in the day and documented some some great stuff of our um, of our softball uh, adventures. That was uh, that was a really good time. But I remember you always had a camera in hand. So you can probably appreciate uh, how this uh, little phone in my camera changed things up. Definitely. I mean, the the technology makes it so simple and makes it streamlined and, and does a damn fine job. I mean, the, there's oftentimes where I'll pull out the big camera and go, there, there's no point in, in shooting this and working on all the photos and taking all that time when the iPhone does just as good of a job. And especially for what you're doing, it's per, it's a perfect solution for what you're doing. I agree. And so, yeah, well, even, you know, an example is like Amber and I, we had, um, some Thai food on Sunday and we dropped Molly off at camp and we're like, what are we going to do with all this spare time? And it's like, let's get some Thai food. So we get like three dishes to share. And so it's kind of easy. We take it home and we set it up with some nice lighting and we just quickly snap three shots of the three different uh, things that we shared. And there, there's some content for later. So maybe I'll post something this week about that Thai meal. And then maybe six months down the road, I'll be like, Oh yeah, it's time to post some Thai stuff from over here. And then I'll look back in there and uh, what would be really cool is uh, 
you know, something if, if we were ever to scale would be to get some sort of like asset management system where you could tag it and have all sorts of metadata so that I could search for this stuff. But right now it's just scrolling through the phone. And then typically I try and post stuff um, in the morning. I find that, you know, COVID has changed things a little bit, but pre-COVID days, a lot of people were consuming their media like on the TTC on the way to work. So I would try and post something like 8.30 in the morning uh, before they got into the office at nine, because it seems like there'd probably be a high uh, high traffic at that time. So I get to the office a little early, like I drop the kids off at school at 7.45 and I'd be in the office by like eight. Uh, and because I like being the only one here, I'd get some stuff done. And then, uh, you know, I'd, I'd knock out a couple of things at work and be like, oh, it's around 8.30, maybe I'll quickly post something. And that, that tended to be the, the routine. So capturing photos wherever I can during the day, and then only taking like three or four minutes, about nine, eight thirty every morning, posting something quick, and then getting back to work. It, it really doesn't take too much time. It seems like muscle memory to take a photo of the food, um, and then just timing the post right. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We would experiment with when we would launch posts, and if I post it too late after nine a.m., traffic is really down because I guess people are busy doing work and not consuming social media as much. So we're Kind of true. I say we, but it's me. Right? The we word is really, I, I use the we word all the time with all the endeavors that I, I take in, whether it's me or 15 people, we is, is the way to go because it's not just you, it's you and the entity that you're building. So yeah, I totally agree with that. So one of the things that I love, and, and I did actually kind of picture this because again, I know you, I know Amber, and I figured that there might be a family component of it. So I did kind of picture you guys, you know, sitting around dinner or going out for dinner. Uh, I, I did see the Molly making, um, making pasta photo the other day. It's brilliant, of course. I mean, we know what sells, you know, it's animal children, you know, like that stuff sells. So that, that is brilliant. And it's, it's so crazy to see her growing up um as well so yeah all the things that your friends and family are saying is exactly what i thought when i saw that photo the other day um so i love the fact that you've in included the family in this as well and so with this you've got the the cheap like you've got the hashtag uh lunch for under 10 bucks yeah uh, and you had mentioned that earlier you you know looking around for cheap eats because that's one of the things with eating out is it can be massively expensive but if you know what you're doing you know, you just spoke to it. it. It can be very affordable, especially for a single person or even just somebody um, like Kat and I, we, we love eating out. The weekends are the time where we're testing everything out. Uh, we had that when we were in Leslieville, as you and I were talking over the past like eight months or so. And we were testing out all the places because we enjoy food. Um, so, but you, this spin for under 10 bucks and, and you're telling me with a straight face that you can do this in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to believe, right? When we first started the blog ten or so years ago, lunch under five bucks was what uh, was the was the goal. And be it like a cool slice of pizza from somewhere, or you could go to one of these like uh, you know Portuguese butcher shops and they'll make like a, a sandwich on a fresh roll for you, lunch under five bucks. But you know, uh, you know, one of the trends obviously, food prices are going through the roof, and uh, you know and with inflation and time, things get more expensive. So finally, this is morphed into lunch under 10 bucks. And, um, you know, you know, part of the premise of this is like nothing, nothing feels good. Maybe it's just for, for me. So I'll speak from my own experience, but nothing feels better than getting a good deal. Right. So like you go to the Bay to buy some, well, maybe you don't go to the store anymore, but when I used to go to the Bay, I would wait until Bay days. Right. Because then the jeans I'm getting are half price. And then it feels better to wear something that you've got 
on a good deal, right? Maybe that's just me, but I'd like it. No, no, I'm there with you, man. It's the same with food. Like, um, you know, I try and keep this blog good vibes only, right? Like I really, there, there's, there's not enough time in the world to spend time like focusing on the negative. So I'll just move on. But nothing, you know, irks me more than paying a lot for a meal that's not very good. Whereas on the flip side of things, that would, they would call this like diminishing returns, right? It's like, you know, if you're going to pay like twice as much and the food isn't twice as good, you start like questioning what you're doing, right? But nothing is better for me than getting like a good deal on food that also tastes really good. And especially if you can find some like healthy salads and maybe some grilled meats and they put it all together and it's under 10 bucks. It's like, you know, if this is close to work, like this could become part of the rotation. Like I could start going to this place all the time and trying everything on the menu. And ultimately that's what happens a lot. Like we go back to the well on certain places quite a bit. Uh, there are a few places close to our house that the, the kids just eat up the food and uh, you know, they're picky eaters because they're kids. And so when we find some things that are healthy and they like, we kids love repetition. So I will go back. There's a, a Filipino bodega by us. It's called the Banaha Food Mart on Dawes Road. And they have a, a hot plate with like garlic rice. And then they have maybe six or seven different things on the hot plate, like stews and this sort of thing. Uh, or they'll do like noodles. And the kids will eat all of this. So we go at least once a week. And during COVID, these guys really appreciated that we were coming in and splashing, even if it's 10 bucks around, it would go a long way uh, because numbers are down. They're trying to feed the community. So we would go in there and now the kids come in with me on the way home and we mask up and the, it just, you know, the, the, the room brightens up when we go in there. They love seeing the kids and we get you know, the noodles and we get out of there. So yes, you can find lunch under 10 bucks if you're willing to venture off the beaten path and uh that's certainly what we do but you know if, if you go back to the well on these places that are, are known jaunts for you i think that that's good so you can eat healthy and you can eat cheap if you like you know it was interesting when we would go out at work for work a lot you can't really take clients to places that are lunch under 10 bucks so sometimes you'll see like these really high-end posts and that's typically when i'm uh lighting here so hopefully nobody from work is watching this but uh you know we would double dip a little bit but um yeah, it all comes down to, uh, you know, uh, being on a budget and, uh, you know, being willing to try something new. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a good thing we have going because, uh, you know, the demographic of people who are following this blog are probably, you know, quite interested in, in the cheap beat scene. And, uh, you know, there are some other uh, rival blogs out there, or you know, blogs that uh, are kind of influential to me that always focus on cheap eats as well, because everybody's looking for a good deal. Everybody's looking for the next delicious thing. And uh, it seems like the further away the food is from and the simpler it is, uh, you know, the more interested people are. And if it's like some handheld, that's really cheap, that's delicious. Like who doesn't love that? Right. It's, it's very true. But I mean, you're not even just hitting on cheap eats. You're also eating on healthy eats and another component, which is kids eating this. Yeah. Because uh, oftentimes when I'm talking to people, even growing up, right, or I always hear that, oh, my kids won't eat that. My kids won't eat, uh, you know, fresh made food. Um, you know, they would rather they would rather their zoodles or, or you know, when we were growing up, it was like ravioli. So stuff from a can stuff that was easy to do. And oh, yeah, kids love that stuff. So with with the kids, do, you know, where, how did they develop their palate? Because that's pretty fascinating that they'll be eating, you know, s such kind of advanced foods that most kids their age wouldn't eat. Yeah, I feel like it's a product of their environment, right? Like if that's what there is to eat for dinner, I mean, I'll admit it, like deep down, like I'd love to eat uh, McDonald's more often, right? Now, the older I get, it's like, never is it a good idea, right? But kids kind of love that stuff. But we got to make it seem like a treat or something special, right? If it happens too often, then, then maybe we need to adjust there. But 
you know, if that's what is to eat. So I just kind of follow like what my parents used to do, right? Like my mom was a good cook. My dad was from Britain and he was used to eating like curry and eating a bunch of, you know, things that kids usually wouldn't eat or like, like liver and this sort of thing. So we we're eating, you know, British food at home. And that's all that there really was. So we kind of developed a, a taste for this. And to this day, like curry is my favorite thing. And so, you know, my daughters see what we're doing. It's what's on the table. They give it a try. And if they really don't like something, as long as they've tried it, I think that the takeaway is, you know, you can't say that you don't like something until you give it a try. Right. And oftentimes they'll turn their nose up and be like, no, no, daddy, I don't like this. It's like, well, try it first. And maybe 50% of the time, like, well, this is way better than it looks. Or this is not what I was expecting. And, that, and that's a bit of a win. And so, you know, kids like repetition. And so we find things that we do like after they've experimented and we just keep going back to the well because it's easy. It's funny, we get home at like five or 5.30 and ultimately there's not that much time before like bath and bedtime. We're only talking like a couple of hours. Like they're spending the day with somebody else most of the day. And we see the menu of what they're eating and it's pretty balanced and that's good. So when we get home, you know, we don't have a lot of time to throw some stuff together. So we still go to the well on some takeout things, um, the Filipino place being a, a big one. But there are some other places, you know, um, we've been trying to, we were talking about them, about supporting local business during COVID too. And my eight-year-old was able to wrap her head around kind of supporting local. So, you know, we have pizza night on Friday and we stopped going to like the chain pizza places. And there are a couple uh, kind of neighborhood mom and pop shops that we go and we've switched to supporting them. And, and uh, Molly feels good about doing that. She'll come in and uh, say hi to the people and we're, we're happy to, to hand uh, the money that way. You know, it's, it's interesting trying to teach the girls kind of the value of a dollar or like what how cash works because they just see daddy tapping their card and getting whatever they want or food showing up at the door and they don't even know where it came from or who paid for it but if we go to a store and give them some money and get some change you know it, it seems like you know they're exchanging money for even the, the ice cream truck comes around our street and it's a good exercise in kind of exchanging money because those opportunities seem a little few and far between so um, pizza night with the girls is a big one I think everybody really loves it at our house but um, most of the other days we try and do something balanced and yeah they're into trying something new and uh, if if we can we can manipulate them a bit too and say well dessert isn't coming until you finish or try some of this and it seems to get through to them because oftentimes it's just a rush to the ice cream as I'm sure <laughs> that's uh you know that's the way it is sometimes here at my place <clears throat> and that's just cat and i so i mean i can i can relate to molly and charlotte on that one it's it's difficult you know and and i think that using those types of techniques is you have to use everything at your disposal as a parent to to get your kids to to expand and try new things i think it's really cool that you guys are are you know teaching in the process as well it seems like this whole experience has not just been about you liking food like you've really morphed this into blending it into what you and amber believe in as as people and as parents and you know kind of teaching about local businesses as well the local business aspect do you think that that's been exacerbated by COVID? yeah certainly i mean um you know you, you just we, we live close to the danforth right at the east end of the danforth and uh, you know you drive up and down there even in leslieville here as i'm sure you remember you know it's like every second store is shut and um you know, it's just sad to see. And like on the Danforth, like some flagship stores are shut. Like at Logan and Danforth, there used to be a Tim Hortons there and it's closed. It's like, who can afford the rent if Tim Hortons can't afford the rent? Like what could possibly go in there? A bank, maybe? A um, weed shop, probably. Yeah, so there's no way like a mom and pop food shop is, is they're, they're really tough to get business on a good day, right? 
another example in Leslieville, they built a bunch of condos and those flagship stores because of the rent, you know, the places that are going in there are big box stores. And I'm not knocking those places because they're very convenient, but like Starbucks and Circle K and Popeyes can afford to go in there, right? And um, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just kind of how things are changing. So your question about kind of how small businesses are morphing, I mean, especially during lockdown when um, it was takeout only, you know, you see a bunch of places kind of boarding up. Obviously there was an increase in the, you know, food delivery service, but I have a feeling that those apps are taking a bunch of points from both sides, right? And uh, I'm not in the food industry uh, per se, and so I don't know what the margins are, but I imagine like getting a food service, uh, you know, although it's bringing you demand, um, you know, I, I don't know what the cost is. I think it's probably pretty high, um, you know, so, you know, it, did it help keep them afloat? Sure. But I feel like there are more stores closed now than ever. Uh, so we're fully into supporting like local business as much as we can. It's really, good, especially when it was like lockdown and it was takeout only, like I would go to a place every day local and, uh, and splash some cash around there because I don't want to see another boarded up shop. And to be honest, I don't want to see, you know, another necessarily another Starbucks go into um, a place that used to be like a mom and pop coffee shop or something like that. that that's just me. Starbucks is totally fine. And, uh, you know, I'm drinking some right now because it's their coffee at work. And it's great and it's good in the pods and that sort of thing. But, you know, I love seeing you know, a street full of, of mom and pop places. I grew up around Pape and Danforth and it uh, used to be all Greek stores. And, uh, you know, if I zip back to when I used to walk to school around there, it's totally different than it is right now. A few of the, the flagship stores that are still there, there's like a Baskin Robbins that's still there. And it's nice to see that Mr. Greek is still there. And uh, what else is still there? The IGA is still there at Pape and Danforth. But almost every other, oh, and there's like a lingerie store that used to be at the end of my street. That That's still there, curiously. And then, you know, pretty much everything else has turned over, you know, a number of times. So, um, you know, we love walking around the Danforth and we will stop in at a new place, especially if a new place is just opened. That would definitely be on our radar. We'll drive by and be like opening soon. And so Amber and I will write that down. We're like, okay, well, we got to get some takeout from there. Or, you know, Amber and I are planning a date soon. It keeps kind of getting thwarted by certain things. But one of these days, her and I are going to go out and sit on a patio and we'll probably be at like a new place in our neighborhood. And uh yeah, just enjoy some food somewhere local. That's outstanding. Yeah, the um, the local supporting business thing was was something that hadn't really been on my radar uh, until you know having that time, spending that time in Toronto. But it was it was COVID, and uh, I don't know if you had noticed this, but one of the things that I was noticing is that you know big box stores, franchises, yeah, they're fine. I mean, they they have a service, um, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't enjoy going to McDonald's every once in a while um, or enjoy you know going to Starbucks because I think we all do. But the thing that I've always been hooked, hooked on when it comes to spending my money and spending my time is customer service. You know, you and I have had conversations like this in the past about customer service. During COVID, I was finding that the customer service of the local mom and pop shops was off the chart. They were so appreciative of you taking the time to come to their location and choose their location and actually come in physically that the level of customer service was actually unbelievable to me, almost where I think it should have been and probably where it was back in the day where these mom and pop shops were opening. How have you seen your level of appreciation and your level of communication from some of these mom and pop shops as you've continued to blow up the Toronto food blog? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that the food space, because it was deemed essential, like they got to stay open. So that's great. 
I mean, it's really tough if you are the, you know, little Italian grocery store at the end of our street. Um, and then there's like a Walmart just up at like Vic Park and Eglinton, right? It's really tough for them. Uh, but there are certain reasons why I, I certainly won't go to the Italian store to buy diapers. I mean, it's just dollars and cents. But, um, you know, going in there to buy select things, I can have a conversation with the butcher and uh, just, you know, he is more than happy to explain, you know, what's good today and uh, explain why and maybe make some suggestions on like, you know, some produce that just came in or this is a brand of pasta that you've never heard about before, but it's from Greece. And this is the reason why it's good. Like, I love that sort of stuff. There is um, growing up on the Danforth, there was a little grocery store called Sun Valley that I thought went out of business, but it actually moved to Birchmount and Danforth Road in Scarborough. And that's not too far from us. So we were going there too. And it's the same type of, you know, old school European touch where, you know, everybody is happy to explain what's going on. You know, it's a, a bunch of grandmas and grandpas cutting meat and, you know, stacking produce. And it seems like a family affair. And uh, yeah, it's that personal touch on things. And they just have like a really nice hot table and that sort of thing. So, you know, we would document that we would take pictures of, you know, beets that they put out or take pictures of, uh, you know, the, the, the the potatoes, like the roasted potatoes that we were going to get. And it photographs really well. And, um, you know, anything that we can do, if we can post this online and uh, there's any sort of following or it drives any sort of visit or incremental revenue for the, the business, uh, it's our pleasure to do so. Um, you know, it, the, the intention is, yes, to document what we're reading, but if we can showcase a new place and maybe somebody uh, viewing this is like, hey, that looks interesting. I'm going to go check that out. You know, that's a that's a win, albeit a small win. It, it, it feels good what we're doing, kind of, uh, you know, publishing what these small places are doing. Uh, I think it's fantastic because the, you know, you're not just in Toronto. Uh, you you are jumping into Scarborough and you are jumping into different areas. Uh, you have uh, Wednesdays in Scarborough. That's that's one of your themes. Is that correct? Yeah, Wednesdays in Scarborough. That's our favorite day of the week. So there's a, a kind of a cool story about how that started. So Molly, a couple of years ago, uh, wanted to get into girl guides. And uh, scouting was something that I did as a kid. And, uh, you know, we thought it would be a great opportunity for her to learn some new skills, but also just as importantly, meet some new kids that would like outside of her friend group at school. And so we're like, okay, we're going to put her into brownies. Uh, the only place available uh, with, with uh, a space was a, a girl guide group at um, Kingston Road in Midland around there. And so I drove her out there on Wednesday for six o'clock. And she really loved it. And so there was like an hour and a half of them spending time just doing really great stuff. And rather than going home, I would go out and maybe do a bit of grocery shopping, but I would also get myself some dinner. So I would drive around from like cliffside there and maybe go north up Kennedy or Midland or any of these streets kind of going north up to Eglinton, up to Lawrence, up to Ellesmere even. I had an hour and a half to kind of do this box. And I would try something new every time. And it turned into a little Wednesdays in Scarborough. And the best thing about eating in Scarborough, I mean, there are lots of them, but you can get a lot of cheap food from all over the world. And, uh, you know, you, there's so many restaurants there uh, that are kind of like family owned and operated that you could eat somewhere new every single day of the year and still not even make a dent in all the restaurants there. Like the diversity is just amazing. I know you're familiar with, uh, with the East end of town there. And uh, so, yeah, wherever you're feeling. So I'd literally drive up one of these places and be like, Oh, I just drove past this strip mall. Uh, I, I don't have time to do a U-turn. That would be dangerous. I'm going to keep going, but make note next time that Jamaican place is on the radar. And lo and behold, next Wednesday, I knew where I was going after I dropped Molly off. And again, I'd take a couple pictures or I'd try a couple of different things. Maybe I'd get a, 
you know, an oxtail and gravy, a small one. And then I'd also get a patty and I'd take a picture of the patty in front of the sign and I'd take a picture of the oxtail. So I'd have two posts possible from each Wednesday. And it just kind of grew. And then uh, I mentioned uh, in our talk before that Amber and I moved uh, just before COVID. So we moved even a little bit further east. We're like around O'Connor and Woodbine up around there. So uh, shooting along St. Clair to Vic Park and getting into Scarborough, it's only a couple of minutes. So um, yeah, we still go shopping there. Uh, if, uh, if I'm going to go get takeout, I'll typically go in there. So we, we spend a lot of time eating in Scarborough and just, just love it. Um, yeah, Scarborough is the jam for sure. That's awesome. I mean, I grew up in Scarborough, so yeah, I'm very familiar with Scarborough and, but I never had the exploratory nature to go around Scarborough and try different foods, uh, whether it's just, I wasn't really, you know, that adventurous with my food, or I just didn't want to travel too much around Scarborough. I don't know what it was, but when I started seeing you posting all these amazing places, I'm like, I had no idea. Obviously I know how multicultural it is, but I mean, you're, you're coming up with gems all the, like gems all the time, which is, which is fabulous. Yeah. These strip malls honestly have like, most of them have multiple places to eat in them. So um, there's one at like Eglinton and Bellamy, for instance, Bellamy or Brimley. And so it's like, it's awesome. I was there recently and I was waiting outside of a Jamaican bakery and I turned this way and there was a lineup for like a uh, a Bengali uh, place, another bakery. And, uh, you know, if you just open your eyes and you take a look around, it doesn't feel like you are in Toronto. That's for sure. It feels like you're you're somewhere else in the world. And it's just awesome. And you go inside and maybe ask a couple of questions. And uh, I find that, you know, the people who work at these places are more than happy to explain what this is. And just the fact that you're taking a general interest in what is it that I'm eating here? Uh, people's eyes light up. They're like, well, let me explain this to you. And this is this, and this is this. Are you looking for something sweet? Are you looking for something savory? It's just been an awesome time. And it, it, it gets a bit addictive, in fact, uh, to, to try and find something new or get a story about um, eating something that I've never tried before. It's uh, And Wednesdays in Scarborough, like in a, it, it was a, Molly was a catalyst for this uh, in, in a way that I wasn't really expecting. And uh, so, yeah, we still look forward to Wednesdays because she always has lots of great stories to unpack from Girl Guides when she's done. And I always got, have a full stomach when I pick her up. So it's, uh, it's a win for everybody. <laughs> well, you need that fuel in order to have those uh, those interactions, especially that late at night, right? So I think it works out best for everybody. I know those experiences that you're talking about where people are so jazzed to talk about what they're doing and how they're doing it uh, actually occurred to us the other day. We were walking down the street in Oshawa and there was a, a new Jamaican place that just opened up and it's, it's all healthy. I can't remember exactly. <clears throat> I think it was kind of focusing on the keto keto way of, of uh, preparing food. So, and he was doing something that I had only seen in Europe. He was standing at the doorway and we walked by and we were looking at the menu like we normally do when we walk by a new restaurant and he came right out. Hey guys, how you doing? And he wasn't trying to lure us into the store. He was just explaining what the menu was, why it was. Um, he had had a heart condition. He needed to lose a whole bunch of weight and he started to cook differently, uh, fully Jamaican food, right? So that's pretty rich food. And he was talking about how he was, you know, altering the menus in order to make these things taste like that. And he was so excited. And, and I'm kind of of that, that frame of mind, like somebody's trying to sell me something. So I was a little clinched up and I was like, I'm just waiting until the end. And when the end of his spiel came, that was it. He's like, hopefully you guys come by. And he went back in the store. And I'm like, so people are excited to talk about these things. They're, they're passions to them. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, if you don't remember the name of that place now, then I'm going to hit you up offline because uh, I want to yeah. check. 
place out. Absolutely. Uh, love the stories. Uh, I'm a sales guy by trade. Like, so my day job is still kind of in, in advertising and in like ad tech sales. And, uh, you know, I wanted this to be a complete departure from that. Like I, I'd rather make this like uh, look attractive rather than really like promote something like this is what you need to eat. Any promotion would be like, this is, if this is, looks interesting to you, this is where you would go to get it. But I'll basically leave the story to you know, like, go there and figure it out for yourself. Like, this is where you go and this is what you can get. And, um, and yeah, I'll let the people who cook the food there tell you the same story that I did. I'll just, uh, you know, put some excerpts in there and take a photo of the food. And hopefully it drives some, some traffic to these, uh, to these restaurants so that the stories and the, the lunches under 10 bucks can be enjoyed by more than just me. Yeah, I like the way that you have the website set up. I was uh, I was checking it out the other day and I was reading some of your reviews and I was looking at it from I thought it was going to be a critic perspective. And you weren't. You were you were reporting what you experienced and and it was very much a go and see if you experienced something similar. If not, you know, hey, worst case is you tried something new. So I really like the approach that you're taking with the website, which I'll include obviously in the in the notes so people can go and check out because you also have things in there like your favorites lists and the top 10 lists, which I mean, listen, top 10 lists are, are valuable. I mean, I look for top 10 lists all the time. You know, they're yeah. all over the place. So you kind of have to do those things, right? Yeah, nothing drives traffic or, uh, you know, uh, interaction more than a top 10 list. And even if you put like the most egregious or ridiculous thing on the list, it almost seems like that gets people more engaged. Like, what are you talking about, McDonald's, Best Burger? You got to be crazy. And then people just start writing this and it's like, Actually, this was a this was a, a really interactive piece. You know, it's funny, uh, Molly. Like, she loves McDonald's because she's a kid. And so, a, a cool story was um, a guy on my baseball team. He uh, he married a lady who grew up in Brantford. And so, the the big thing in Brantford that that rivals and and beats McDonald's hands down. They're saying is a fast food chain. They're called Fast Eddie's. I don't know if you've ever been to Fast. Eddie's. I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah, so this is like a brand, it's franchised into from Brantford into maybe like Cambridge and a little bit towards London. Anyway, we're going to see my, my father in June. He lives in London. We went to go see him. It's his birthday on Father's Day every year. So we drive down there and we had just heard the story of Fast Eddie's. So on the way back, we stop at Fast Eddie's and we get a, a burger and we share some fries and we get a milkshake and they actually make these pickle fries. Anyway, the story of Fast Eddie's and uh, my buddy's wife's growing up in Brantford and how this is just so synonymous with like being a teenager in Brantford. This story really resonated and we chased that. We were like, oh, we want to see if this is legit. And it was just the best. It was one of these uh, recommendations that, um, you know, is just all they said. It's like childhood memories. Go check it out. Right. And they kind of left it at that. There was a bit of uh, mysterious to it and we chased it and we found it and we absolutely loved it and I now call Molly Fast Eddie because she asks if we can go back like all the time she's like when can we see Gramps again and I think it's like 50% to see her grandpa and like 50% to, uh, to, to visit Fast Eddie so just things like that you know uh, somebody saying an experience that they really liked and maybe leaving it at that and then you can fill in the blanks yourself and uh, you know we try and keep it like uh, good vibes only right like if we eat something that we don't really like and I happen to take a picture of it, I'm not going to post that. And especially when restaurants are struggling now just to stay afloat, like that, nobody needs any bad press. So there's enough stuff in my phone. We had enough good meals over the time that we'll just kind of focus on that. But yeah, like you say, you know, we, uh, we, we just take some pictures and set it up and be like, this is what we ate. And, uh, you know, you know, go check it out and, and see if you agree. 
um, you know, we don't really do any paid promotion with, uh, with restaurants. So we will get like texts all the time, like come and come and visit, uh, we'll, we'll make you a meal. And, uh, you know, if you could give a review, that would be great. And we don't really engage in that because um, I don't know, it's like an existential, like a, you know, an authenticity issue, right? It's like, first of all, if they know a food blogger is coming, we might get a different experience than if we just walked in off the street. So we try and keep it incognito and don't talk about being a food blogger. Oftentimes when, you know, it's a mom and pop shop, they're much more engaged if you're eating there. I mean, you know, they're, they're checking to see if you're liking things. Hey, do you need anything else? Uh, how's the meal, right? And so when they see taking photos, that often piques people's interest. And you can tell if they're like the owner operator. Because so, like you say about your buddy in Oshawa, I imagine if they saw you taking pictures of the food, you know, it starts, it's a conversation starter, right? And oftentimes when they see that, you know, you can get a little bit more information, which helps tell the story of the restaurant and give some backstory and helps fill in the, the full blog review. Um, but yeah, if we like a place, and we're like, you know, it'll really raise a flag and be like, this needs to be like a full restaurant review because we loved it so much. We'll then go back later in the month and order something else. So we have a little bit more content. So we'll get the exterior shot. We'll have a few of the different things we ate on a few different visits. Hopefully we've had a conversation with the, the owner operators so we can get a bit of backstory. And we can just tell a, a, a very general tale about who the people are, what the food is, what the exterior looks like. Um, and, you know, go check it. Here's where you can go get this if that's of interest and then tag it in like the neighborhood and the type of food that it is. And then we try, we do a little bit of tagging on the site. So if you wanted to search by Parkdale, you could see everything that we reviewed in Parkdale. If you wanted to search by Afghan food, uh, you know, we've tagged certain things and you can find the places that we reviewed that, uh, that serve Afghan food or whatever it is. Uh, you know, we try and do a little metadata tagging so that it's searchable. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to compile ultimately like a, a database and like a reference site so that if you're looking for something in a certain neighborhood or a certain spice level, you can find it there. Um, and yeah, uh, we, we haven't really scaled to do any sort of paid promotion. Again, I think it would take the authenticity away if we were like, hey, you guys got to try this place. It would just be a bit of change of brand for us. It might even be if a loyal follower read that and then all of a sudden we were we changed our approach and be like, this you've got to do this and this and this. And this is why. And it, it might seem a little bit too salesy. And me being a salesman during the day, like I don't like being sold to particularly. And uh, it's the, the bane of my existence. In fact, uh, my job, I mean, it keeps the lights on. And uh, I, I tend to be kind of good at it, but I try not to take that approach with the blog here because I think that the, the pictures and the stories kind of speak for themselves and people can draw their own conclusions, right? The idea is maybe we can um, you know, drive some traffic to these restaurants, especially during COVID here. It's been, been all that important. And uh, you know, what we do is that we find after we review a place, we'll tag them. Social media is great for that, that you can tag the restaurant and we'll get um, you know, responses from people saying, hey, somebody came in and said that they heard about you on the Toronto Food Blog. And we want to thank you so much for the review. You know, you should have told us you were coming in. We would have done this and this and this. And uh, those are my favorite type of things to hear that, uh, you know, somebody really appreciates what we're doing or, you know, somebody tried a place out and they send me a photo being like, hey, I got one the other day. We went to, uh, to Birdie's Fried Chicken, which is at Coxwell and Queen. And uh, a day later, my buddy sent me a picture of the exact same thing I ate. It's like, thanks for the reco. I'm like, that makes it all worth it right there. Uh, it's just that, that thing. So we haven't monetized it yet. I mean, that might be the next step to take a look at, like, how can we monetize this and keeping it authentic? So I don't know if there's a way on the podcast to maybe turn ads on or on the website to turn ads on. But I mean, that's a bit, I'm in the wrong business to say that, but that might take away from the viewing experience. So we're still kicking the tires on, on a monetization model for right now. It's a labor of love. 
and uh, we don't work with the restaurants. It's all kind of incognito and guerrilla style. And then, yeah, as the uh, as the reviews come in and the feedback comes in afterwards, it kind of makes it all worthwhile there. So. I mean, that's, uh, that's, I think where everybody is, right? Like I am with the podcast and, and all the other podcasts that are out there and the blogs that are out there is how do you make this passion, you know, something that you can devote all your time and energy into and even more resources and bring even more of what you're doing to the rest of the people. And how do you do that? And, and the, the truth is I, I, I want to kind of work with you on this too, because I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, I, I don't know what that balance is with our exposure to the advertising world. I think we have an appreciation for it and also an understanding of it and not wanting to be in that space all the time, kind of selling out what it is that you are doing in order just to make a buck is not worth it. And I think that you and I are of the same minds, it sounds like with you with the blog and this, uh, and this podcast. Um, I love the gorilla style that you're going with right now. It doesn't make money, of course, at this point in time, but that doesn't mean that it can't make money in the future. I really like to know what the heck that looks like. So yeah, if you, once you continue to kick the tire on that and explore anything, keep me in the loop, please. Yeah, I mean, monetizing it for me is one thing. If it turns into a sale for one of these restaurants, um, then then it is working, right? And so that's the focus now. Um, you know, I'm I'm very grateful to with COVID to still be employed on my day job. So you know, it is a labor of love and a side project, and uh, it's an outlet for me to be creative, and uh, hopefully, it drives some uh, some traffic to these businesses. I like that. Do you find when, as you get older, as we all do, and and as as you and I do, uh, get into those uh, more mature age uh, age brackets, that you do really appreciate that opportunity to have a creative outlet? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it was tough with COVID. I remember we had just moved, right? And so there are a couple of things. Like I'm a really bad guitar player, but I definitely noticed. Um, we moved a bunch of stuff to my mother-in-law's house when we were staging our old house. And then when we moved in and I realized my guitar was one of the things that went up to uh, my mother-in-law's farm for storage. And uh, when we moved in, it wasn't like a month or two months until I got it back. And I just noticed not having that there, even though I'm really bad at it, just picking it up and having like an outlet for that is one thing that was sorely missing. So when I got it back, it was just like, this is such a wonderful thing. Uh, the, the blog is like that too. Like I honestly enjoy eating first of all but like setting up a nice shot and I feel like there's like a certain theme to my photography like I'm zooming in as close as possible and taking up as much of the frame as possible it looks good to me I don't know if it looks good to everybody else hey listen and my my photography experience I think your photos are great man so yeah if I had tips for you I would have given them to you but they they look fine to me yeah so this this social media every day as an outlet it's like you know, I, I really enjoyed eating this, right? And here's where you can go get it. And these uh, social media apps, like it's it's templated in such an easy way that you can literally press a button and there's the photo. And then just anyone proficient with Microsoft Word, I mean, everybody listening to this obviously probably uses social media anyway. It's just so easy and foolproof. Like if I could figure it out, anybody could. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting though, because Molly wants to, uh, you know, be involved in this sort of thing. But 
I just, I feel like it's, it's too early in her life to have, you know, social media, right? So she sees that I have this as an outlet, right? And it's something that she can't have and yet, right? And so that'll be a, a story for a different time as to when, you know, is the right age for her to kind of turn this on. But for right now, she's kind of my sidekick in our, our fooding and eating adventures because I haven't been able to go out with clients or with my friends very much because of COVID. So we have a lot of family meals. I'll run out to go get stuff, take some pictures in store, take pictures of the exterior, bring the stuff home. We'll lay it out on the table. And even Molly and Amber are like, oh, let's take a picture before we get into this. Daddy needs a photo. So, you know, uh, it's it's become part of our conversation. And it's become maybe a little less annoying for them to do it. Um, and I'll just snap a quick pic and then we'll get down to it. And Molly will get the lighting right under a lamp or something. And Daddy will come take a picture here. And uh, even the other day, Charlotte took a, like a bunch of salad and put it on top of our pasta. And I'm like, that looks really good. Amber's like, take a picture of that. And it turned out really well. So uh, everybody's kind of helping with the, uh, with the art design too. So it's, it's been fun. Dude. I, it, like my heart is so warm in this conversation. Uh, it's been a long time since you and I have chatted. And so for us to be able to come together on this and hear the things that you're doing, you know, uh, a nickname coming up for Molly with fast Eddie, that's, that's, that's the stuff that when she's like 20 years old and you're calling her fast Eddie, it's going to be back at this time, which is honestly, man, just warms my heart. And then to see you got like, I can picture it just you guys are around the table and you're working as a family and as a unit and your passion has now become a family passion and something that you can do together and then solitary. Uh, I think that this is a win across the board so far, man, whether you monetize it for yourself or not, you know, like you said, we're fortunate enough that we are, you know, gainfully employed, thankfully, and we can kind of do these endeavors. But God, man, this is uh, this is more heartwarming than I expected it to be. Yeah, it's really nice to catch up with you, Chris. Uh, you know, for anybody listening, I think we go back at least like 15 years, right? And Easily. So yep. I'm missing the softball for sure, uh, but I'm playing a little bit of of burby or or, or a wall ball. Uh, there's a league going on right now. And so uh, we've been doing that. And, uh, you know, so sometimes I'll chat with the guys who are from all different neighborhoods of, uh, of Toronto and we'll chat a distance after the game and be like, Hey, where's a good place to eat around here? Like we've got a game on Saturday that is in deep Scarborough. It's like Galloway and Kingston road. And we're playing there at like 11 o'clock on Saturday. So I can only imagine once we're done, I'll go to Kingston road there around Morningside and find something, maybe go to that um, bring some Krispy Kreme donuts home for everybody. Yep. Everybody loves it when I come home with six of those. So, you know, it's just, hey, you ask how I have some time to do it. Like I go out and, uh, you know, do a little team stuff and uh, make sure that I bring home some food and then everybody wins, you know, it's, uh, it's good. That's outstanding. I mean, that is literally where I grew up. So that area I know very, very fondly. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's so cool too, because who, who doesn't, uh, what kid doesn't love to have that, you know, coming through the door and then to, to have like a, a little bit of a, a moment to, to really appreciate it too, which is, a, is one of the other things that I'm hearing is that you guys are actually taking the time to appreciate what it is that you have before you and the food that you're eating. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're lucky. Uh, it, uh, we also, as a housewarming gift, uh, with my mother-in-law got us a, a smoker and so this has been a, a really fun thing to do as well as, uh, so Molly is, uh, she's, she's wise beyond her years at eight. I certainly wasn't doing anything that she was doing at eight. And so she will wake up with me at like six in the morning and we'll put like the wood chips down and uh, we'll have gone to like the butcher shop and gotten usually some sort of 
cut of pork and then we'll put it on there and she, she knows all day kind of watching the smoker it even showed up in one of her uh kid shows i shouldn't call it kid show she watches um a show called alexa and katie and one of the jokes is that the father spends the entire day running out to check on his smoker and so she thought that that was really funny because it's uh, what her dad does too so yeah we'll, we'll do certain things like that and kind of keep it fresh like ultimately we've been locked down for together for so long that we're looking for cool new things to do. And I don't mean to frame it like it, it's uh, it's to fill up time, but kind of it is like, we've got to keep, uh, keep everybody, you know, entertained. And so doing something new, like setting up the smoker or checking on the smoker or seeing how the food is, and she'll see how long it takes to prepare it. And then, you know, everybody's just like, waiting to dig into this and she feels like, Oh, she made this. And so that's a big win for everybody too, when she gets involved in, in making this sort of stuff. So uh, Amber also got us, this might be pre COVID now, but one of the cool things she did was uh, for father's day, she got Amber, uh, Molly and I a baking lesson at a place uh, it was called Madame Gateau, which is at Woodbine and Danforth. And we went and took a, a baking lesson together and made donuts. And so that was really cool. The, the accomplishment of eating something that you've made from scratch. It's a, it's a really good feeling. Right. And so we're trying to uh, to get her into that. And so she said for the longest time that she wanted to be a veterinarian. You know, you ask what you want to do when you grow up. And uh, this is slowly moving into, oh, I want to be a baker. Or I want to, you know, uh, you know, travel to wherever it is uh, uh, food that we've, eat, we've eaten. And so it opens up a bunch of different things and bring home Thai food. And then we look at the map and she finds out where Thailand is on the map and now can point to different places. And so, um, you know, there, there's lots of benefits to kind of doing this together. I mean, it's so funny because we talk about money, not just you and I in this conversation, but us as a species, we talk about money and all the things that it can provide for us. But one of the things that I'm learning over the years is experiences. Experience are, experiences are so valuable. You can't even put a price tag on that. Yeah. And, and for I agree at eight. Are you kidding me? It sounded like I wasn't thinking like Molly until I was 30. So she's way ahead of the game. <laughs> Yeah, me too. She's a, uh, sometimes I forget that she's eight. Right. But the, the experience here, like Amber is awesome at that too. Like uh, setting them up to, to experience new things. I've got the, this cool new, uh, this picture on my screensaver here. We went to the aquarium the other day, uh, you know, the Ripley's aquarium. I don't know if you've been, but obviously a, a really cool spot. And for kids, I mean, it's like floor to ceiling windows with like sharks coming up to things. So there's this picture of us all touching this manta ray. And so the coolest thing was when we got outside, it was a great day. Molly saw this hot dog cart and it was like the first day of the Blue Jays being back. And she's like, why don't we all have like a street dog? And, uh, you know, and we, there was some, some crowd showing up. So we we're a little bit apprehensive, but we had these hot dogs outside of the, uh, the game. And she was reminiscing about the time that we had gone to the Blue Jays game before. And we were kind of pining to get back there. And we've got some tickets coming up and looking forward to heading back down there. So it seems like even the outings we do and the experiences that we have, there's often like a food component to it as well. And, uh, you know, the kids have changed our life in such a, such a great way. It's like what we're eating and when we're eating, it often revolves around them and relinquishing control around that most of the time, you know, that's okay. And uh, they're getting old enough that we can include them in, in a lot of the preparation and the decision-making. So, so that's good. It's acceptance. Um, one of the, one of the big components that uh, that you know you start to realize when you get a little bit older is if you want a a calmer life and enjoy what you're doing is just accept the things that are not within your control. But the thing that I do have to say is that most people aren't going to see this video. Maybe later on down the road we'll release some. But you look 
healthier than I've ever seen you look, man. So for, for people out there that are thinking to themselves, oh, this guy is eating out all the time and his kids are eating out all the time. And your wife is beautiful. Your kids look healthy and you look healthy as, as hell, man. So that that's awesome. Like, I can't condemn you for what you're doing. You're obviously doing what's right. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, eating three meals a day is, is, is big. I it used to be counterintuitive, right? Like I used to, um, before I had kids anyway, I, I would drink a lot and skip breakfast and then kind of binge eat. And that was like a pattern that went on in my twenties as you do as a young guy, you know, um, you know, but as things have changed now, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. It's like eating breakfast. It's a cliche to say it's super important, but uh, we definitely sit down and do it every time. Although it's kind of nonsense on these shows. Like it's pretty inaccurate in my opinion that, on all these uh, family TV shows that we watch that everybody sits down to like this big balanced breakfast before they go off to work or school like that never happens. Right. But, you know, setting an example that we need to eat something before we go. So um, it sets me up better for the day and then I'm not binge eating later. So there's that. Uh, and, you know, yeah, just changing my diet a bit. I'm in better shape at, in my forties than I was in my thirties. So that's definitely a win. And so, yeah, I eat and uh, I throw some push-ups in there. And that's a, a couple of streaks we have going is taking pictures of every food every day and doing push-ups. So those are the, the two things I got and they don't require going to the gym. So that's a good thing too. It's all about balance. Um, I'm going to leave it there for now, but I do want you to have the final word. I know that you do have some other things to get on, uh, on with with your day. Um, what is it that you want? people to know most about what you're doing with Toronto food blog right now and what you would like to have happen with it. Oh, well, I think we're just going to keep the momentum going. So the Toronto food blog, we have a, a, like three different uh, uh, outlets, right? We've got our social media uh, every day and that's the Toronto food blog handle on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and, and Twitter. So we'll review somewhere new every day and I'll just be a quick snapshot. And then uh, every couple of weeks, we, uh, we have a podcast. Uh, it's hashtag lunch under 10 bucks. And that's available wherever you consume your podcast, be it on Spotify or Apple or wherever, um, you know, you can search hashtag lunch under 10 bucks. And again, there'll be kind of more of a lengthy review, maybe a couple of minutes of uh, some, some cheap eats that we found in a different neighborhood or a different type of food. We try and mix that up. So the podcast is a, is a cool outlet. And then on the first of every month at torontofoodblog.com, we do a full restaurant review with uh, a deeper dive into the who and the what that we're eating. And um, yeah, uh, the final word is that, uh, you know, if any of this resonates with anybody and can uh, help somebody, one of our viewers uh, have a great experience and, uh, and, and help the, the restaurateur, uh, you know, during these uh, tricky times for them, I think it's a win for everybody. So, you know, we really appreciate the support and uh, love nothing more than hearing the feedback. So uh, we're just going to keep it going and keep doing what we're doing and, and, and keep trying to find time to, uh, to, to have this as like a, an outlet for, uh, for some creativity and uh, hopefully it benefits some people too. Well said. The face of Toronto Food Blog for today. Uh, anyways, the the voice, some of the words, some of the, the photography uh, in conjunction with your family. I think you guys are doing an amazing job. Uh, this was something that I thought, like I said, was just a little, hey, here's a shot. Here's a shot. Here's a shot. Uh, the, the depth and the energy that you're putting into this and the passion shows. Um, and, and my congratulations as well to you and Amber on all the things that you're doing with the kids, with the home, with the food blog. I think you guys are killing it, man. Thank you very much for sitting down with me today. 
Yeah, Chris, thanks so much for the invite. It's really great to catch up with you and uh, and find out uh, what you and Kat are doing too. It's just, uh, it's wonderful. And, uh, you know, your new place sounds super exciting. I can't wait to uh, keep in touch and, and hear how you guys are doing. Absolutely, my friend. We will definitely keep in touch. This isn't the last time we're doing this. Nice. Have yourself a great day and we will talk to you soon. All right, cheers, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.